And welcome back, everybody, to the Market Knowledge Podcast. We're talking to life science CEOs, founders, and influencers. And today we've got a very special guest. We've got the leader of the life science practice group at Marsh McLennan. Hugh Leslie is here today. Hey, Hugh, how are you? I'm good, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm so excited to have you. This is uh, this is going to be great. I'm excited about our conversation for today. But first, why don't we why don't we set it up a little bit for those uh, in the ecosystem that uh, don't know you? Tell us a little bit about uh, your role at Marsh McLennan. Yeah, thanks, Bob. So I help lead our commercial insurance team. So we have a team of fifty in San Diego. We are very fortunate to work with many of the life science companies in town. Um, there's over 1,700 life science companies in San Diego right now. Um, and so we work with the very, very small emerging coming out of the academics or somebody who's had successful companies that then license some great science all the way up through large public companies. Um, and we help them every, every bit of the way. So our job is to be an extension of their team um, in guiding them in, in their overall risk management strategy. So, um... Before I want to talk about you and kind of your history and how you got here. But first, um, in that process that you go through with these companies, are you mainly meeting with the, the CEOs and founders of these groups? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which makes it really fun. Every day is different because we're, we're learning about amazing science that's typically way over my head. But I get to, to get them to dumb it down so we can understand what they're doing and, and what they're trying to achieve to help help the patient. But um, we work mainly at several inflection points. Um, first, when they form the company, oftentimes they'll have some sort of seed funding um, and they'll have what's called directors and officers coverage that their, their board likes to see. And or when they're getting lab space, they have to have some lease requirements and have insurance. So we'll engage at that time and then try to build a good cornerstone program for them so that they can they can grow for every phase of their journey. Great. And I can I can relate to you. Uh, not, you know, some of that science that's way, way over my head as well. I've got scientists as part of my team to kind of translate that science uh, to me. Um, but so you, you've been in this space for a long time now. Tell me um, more about how you, you got to San Diego and you got into this life science ecosystem here. Well, I got a lot of luck. Um, a lot of luck more than skill. So I'm from Ohio and I played uh, water polo at Miami of Ohio, just on the, the club team there. And we came out in November of one year to uh, Cal Poly up in San Luis Obispo. And it yeah. was raining in 33 in Ohio in November when we left. And it was raining in 33 in Ohio when we got back. And the whole time we were here, it was sunny and 70. And we played outside in a pool. And I was thinking, gosh, I haven't seen the outside of a pool not covered since Labor Day. So something's <laughs> neat. And, uh, and and I remember flying back thinking, wouldn't that be crazy to be able to live where you could be outside all year and uh, and enjoy it? So I graduated, drove across the country, ended up in, uh, in, in San Diego, landed in Encinitas. I've been in Encinitas uh, since 2004. So again, complete luck and um, very fortunate. And then I've been working in the building that I've been in almost since 2004 too. So in Town Center Drive up up uh, in UTC. Our team has been in there since 1986, but I actually worked for a different company out of college. And I met some of the great people that I work with now. And I thought, gosh, they're pretty nice. They seem to like what they do. And then was able to, to learn what they did and, and work my way in and switch companies to be able to work um, on the brokerage side. 
And so have you been in the life science space, meeting with life science clients and prospects for, for almost all that 20 years? Yeah, in, in various forms and stages. At, at Marsh, I've been there almost 10 years. So that whole time has been life science. Um, and it's, it's um, just as exciting as when I started because of all the innovation that continues to happen in San Diego um, and all the creation of, of new companies and new ideas and um, getting back to the licensing, it's just amazing the amount of research institutions we have in San Diego and the university system, which, which really helps support the entrepreneur and, and encourage the creation of companies. And then people like you and I get to um, help structurally coach and, and mentor from our different disciplines to help the, the brilliant people succeed. Yeah. Well, and I'd like to kind of dig into that a little deeper, if you don't mind, on on that 20, 15 year period. Uh, you know, San Diego's changed a lot and the life science ecosystem and the landscapes changed as well. Um, what what have you seen over the years? What has that meant to you? Yeah. Uh, great question, Bob. I think um, I think one of the really, really interesting things is it's become more uh, the, the, the growth has caused an abundance of creation of companies. So if we go back to the late seventies and early eighties, the university UCSD was starting to spin out some, some licensing agreements and then large pharma was coming in and moving people in. So you had folks moving from large pharma out of New Jersey coming in and starting to run and put some structure bigger company structure around scientific ideas. And so what I see is the exponential growth of that, where you had a couple companies, I mean, it started with HyberTech, and actually most companies in town can still point back to either somebody that's advising that was was part of that crew, and it's, it's no further than two removed for almost any company in San Diego from what I've seen, but the exponential expertise and the, uh, the creation of companies, I feel like, continues to grow. And, and to illustrate that point, you know, we started work. We work with uh, Johnson & Johnson and, and J-Labs, their company, uh, their incubator and accelerator. Well, they were one of the only ones in town. Pfizer used to have something years ago, and it, it kind of petered out. And then, you know, I think probably, probably about 10 years ago, J-Labs started. And it was like, okay, can we get a couple companies to join and be a cohort in this accelerator and, and, and rent wet lab space yeah. and then that just exploded to where they capped out for a while at 40 companies and there was a, a, a waiting list that they couldn't get in and then you had bio labs start up and a number of other amazing incubators and, and folks that are running wet labs and kind of how the industry has changed now you know there are more life science companies than we've ever had there's more lab space than we've ever had but there's a bigger shortage of space for scientists to be able to get wet labs and, and office space. And what we've seen, you know, even in UTC, where it's traditionally been white collar offices, those are getting gutted to put wet lab space in. So I think to answer your question, we're just seeing the momentum continue to, to go through the decades. And then also the deepening of the expertise where you have those folks that are now in their 60s and 70s, and some maybe even in their 80s that were um, really at the forefront of the industry and in helping San Diego to become what it has become. Um, and they're just helping to raise capital quicker, to develop companies quicker and collaborate more frequently um, than would have been possible maybe 30 years ago. And I think 
Um, what's possible in San Diego, it's, it's, it's so unique. You have Boston and San Francisco, and there's really not even a distance for, distant fourth for the level of collaboration in, in San Diego. The other thing that I think is unique is, um, you know, I think we have a great recruiting and retention tool with the sunshine here, um, but it also creates geographic, uh, San Diego geographically is very unique and, and creates more collegiality and collaboration than in other markets. Um, if you're in Torrey Pines, you're not going to meet an executive from a life science company that lives typically within outside of 25 minutes of that range. Um, and that might even be with heavy traffic, right? So if you compare that to the markets in Boston, you can have people commuting hours. Same with San Francisco when people went to offices in San Francisco, um, you know, and so I think it, it, it creates a different environment in San Diego where people are, um, friendly competitors and they're really here um, to help focus and grow the ecosystem as part of their overall their overall career goal. Uh, Hugh, you mentioned the drive time in, in some of the other markets, the other life science clusters like Boston and San Francisco. Uh, there are you know some pushes uh, by some developers and, and others to uh, you know have more lab spaces downtown. Do you yeah. think our ecosystem here in San Diego will, will make that uh, push south? Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible question. So there's only yeah. actually one company that I know of in, in 20 years that's actually run an operation downtown. That was called CardioNet. And they were one of the first ones that had uh, would monitor heart monitors remotely. Um, since then, I can't think of a single life science company offhand that's actually had our operations headquarters and grown um, significantly downtown. Um, I think the hurdles, and, and I love the idea of the project on the waterfront downtown, I think has a ton of potential. The hurdles are schools. So it's not it's not that that downtown area would be cool. Um, the other hurdle is homelessness. Um, it's rampant down there. I mean, when you have me um, and a group of guys that go to a baseball game and we feel uncomfortable walking from the trolley um, to the baseball stadium, I think that's something to, to consider in that space. I also think, you know, what I've heard is that you get life science execs coming in from out of town and they get there and they say, oh, my gosh, this is phenomenal. I can build a team. And they say, oh, yeah. by the way, where would, I, where would I live? Oh, well, I would live north of the 56. My kids would go to school north of the 56. Right. So I think there's a there's a hurdle um, where the school system and district is limited within that area. If you're going to get executives or really anybody above 35 that has a young family to consider living close to that area. Um, not to say it can't be done. I think if you can get a couple anchor tenants in there um, that would drive it, a lot of people would say, gosh, actually it's not that bad of a drive. It's still only 35 minutes um, to get, to get down there. Um, and there's the viability of the train and the trolley, right? Which is, could be really, really cool. Um, but I think it really comes back to schools. And, and maybe I'm biased because my girls are in kindergarten and second grade. So that's first and foremost, being able to walk to school and have yeah. a, um, a digestible commute um, and, and also in a, sa a safe environment. Yeah, well, no, I think it's a good debate. And I think, um, you know, I see uh, both sides and there's, you know, there's a lot of different, uh, I think everybody's talking about it. So um, staying on that theme just a little bit. Also, you mentioned, you know, the lack of lab space in, in the Torrey Pines in, in La Jolla area. Um, you know, over the past few years, we saw a huge spike, right, in the life science demand. 
Things are starting to level out a little bit. A lot of talk about downturns in the industry. What, what's your opinion and uh, your thoughts on the, the health of the life science industry? Yeah, well, I think there is a cyclicalness to what, what's going on right now. Uh, money is not frothy and free um, like it may have been last year. We did more IPOs last year. We did, I think our team did 38, um, helped on 38 IPO transactions, um, which was a you know record year for San Diego and, and unheard of. An average year before would have been anywhere from 12 to 15. So the market is definitely different, and we have a lot of clients that are getting squeezed on on. Um, on their, you know, on their overall finances and ability to fundraise, but it's still, I would say very, very, very vibrant for the creation of companies and going back to what we're seeing in the folks that are going into the accelerators and not to mention the Illumina accelerator program that, that many companies in San Diego have gone through too. Right. So we're seeing a lot of creation on that side. I had three calls yesterday of new companies um, that, that are funding. One was um, out of the Scripps Research Institute. Another was out of, um, uh, an idea out of La Jolla Institute of Immunology. And another was just uh, executives who have had several uh, successful companies and said, hey, we've we've got an idea to license some amazing science and, and go from there. Um, I think the change from maybe this year to the last couple of years is um, the slog to raise capital is, is greater, um, but the enthusiasm is not any less from the scientist and from the entrepreneur. Um, and that spirit has been undaunted um, by the stock market. And so it's just saying, OK, well, maybe this year we're not going to do what we thought, but we still want to get the science out there. We still want to help the patient. And, Bob, I think that's one of the really interesting things about our the industry that makes it so um, special is that we look at these amazing successes in, in San Diego, multi-billion dollar exits, right, where the founders and the leaders of that, that group make enough money to never have to work again right and then more right the average that we see on our team is three months that those executives they have their exit they go travel the world and then they're back at it three months later the most i've ever seen has been eight and a half months from one of those executives being on the sideline and i think the underlying piece is do they love the game do they love creating the company they love leading it is the the financial aspect good yes but at the end of the day, what they're waking up for is that game to help the patient. Um, because any of these companies, we all know somebody in our extended family or, or family at work um, that can possibly be affected by it, right? So I think that's what, what is so exciting about the life science industry. And regardless of um, the stock market, will not slow down. Um, I just got back from Omaha, Nebraska um, yesterday. We were, we were touring the Midwest of some of our clients that are doing manufacturing um in the u.s and you know with the 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 current about uh, the, the current administration biden came out um last week there were a number of folks that are, are leaders in in town here i know the folks at genomatica and others went and actually presented to congress on innovation and in life science um in manufacturing in, in the u.s and obviously we saw with with the pandemic the need to be able to not be dependent upon um, such dispersed supply chains. Not that that's not going to be important and we're not going to need to be able to deal with partners outside the U.S. But um, what I saw this week was extremely encouraging in San Diego companies that are figuring out how to manufacture in the Midwest. So I think people are innovating and they're going to continue to pivot um, no matter what, what the, the stock market's doing. 
when you're meeting with some of the, let's say, early stage companies, is there a, a theme of concern, you know, something that's keeping up these CEOs, founders up at night? Yeah, what the heck to do the next day? Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that's in, in, that of these founders that I, I come across time and again is, um, is humbleness and lack of cockiness and the ability to say, I'm a scientist. I have an idea that I think can change the world, but what the heck do I do with this? I don't know how to do this. And again, getting back to why the ecosystem in San Diego is is so um, interesting and important. Some might say, you know, Bob and he are service providers and that's it, right? But what I find with the entrepreneurs is they come back and they say, gosh, working with people who have done this hundreds of times and getting the advice to help boost the entrepreneur and the scientist forward um, is, is helpful. But th- what keeps them up at night is the same thing as any entrepreneur, right? How the heck do I make payroll? How do I keep the science going forward? What if we have data that's not positive? Um, yeah, it's a wild yeah. road. The, the life of the entrepreneur is a wild rodeo. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good stuff, you. I, I love it. Okay, last question. And um, I got to give you full qu- credit for this question because we, we've talked before and we talked about different uh, questions to ask, ask different guests. What are you reading or maybe even listening to podcast-wise or something like that that's, that's making a, a big impact in your life that you'd like to share? Yeah, so a couple of things. So reading, um, right now I'm reading a, a course called America by Tom Coyne. Um, he is a, a golf writer, but kind of in the vein of a Bill Bryson humor travel writer. Um, and he tours the U.S. Um, playing a bunch of different golf courses. And the golf is second or third of, of the stories, but he's just meeting people with many different backgrounds and through a, a simple game chasing a white ball, um, talking about um, what makes a country special and um, the ability for people to get together and, and come to common ground. So that's a great one. Uh, with a lot of laughs in it as well. And the other one, I'm uh, rereading um, a book called Working by Studs Terkel, who is an interviewer and radio personality in Chicago um, years and years ago. But it's on people's daily life and what motivates them and um, just really talks about what they do and why they do it, um, which is, is fascinating. The, the, um, I think reading it for me, reminds me of the, again, the commonality of all, all people and being able to, to connect. Um, so it's a, that, that's a great read and listening to, um, there's a great podcast on Bloomberg called Masters in Business uh, by Barry Ritholtz. And he interviews uh, different finance business leaders. So for me, it's it's great to hear what um, different folks that are leading Vanguard and groups like that are, are, are thinking and, and coming out. So it's a good listen on that side. And another one that's kind of totally different. I don't know anything about music. I like listening to music, but I have no specialty genre that I, that I like. Um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Rubin have a podcast called Broken Rep- Records. So that's been a good one. My, um, you know, mountain biking or going for a run to to listen to, to hear about how entrepreneurs in the artistic setting have uh, had made success. Hugh, great stuff today. Thanks so much for being here. Really appreciate it. We'll put uh, on my website, I'll put uh, some information on how to reach you, and then we'll put the books and, and podcasts on there as well so everybody has a chance to uh, dig into that a little bit as well. Great. Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm.